Hello there, everybody. Sean Sheehan back here with another edition of The Sheehan Show. And today I'm again joined by Brad Wharton as we look ahead to Cage Warriors uh, 132, which is going down next week. If you haven't seen our preview for Cage Warriors 131, please check that out over on the Sure Dog uh, YouTube channel and on SureDog.com uh, as well. But uh, do- double trouble, as you're calling it this time, Brad, it's uh, it's going to be another fun one. I know coming up here. Um, for first of all, before we get into that, we, we know we talked a little bit on, on the other uh, on the other episode about the the, uh, the the past trilogies and things like that. But for you yourself, like sitting there as as a commentator, having to work out, you know, and I suppose this feels like maybe a little bit of a break for you. I haven't only do two cards, but having to to prepare for that many fighters, for that many fights, it, mu- it must take a lot of preparation and a long time uh, to do it for you. Yeah, you know, um, I I don't do a lot of like note taking. Like, I, I, I prefer just to kind of have things in my head, but during these trilogy events, kind of had to, because there's just so much going on. You know, there's up to 30 fights in the space of 72 hours. It's, it's, uh, it's absolutely crazy. So it's nice. Uh, it's nice just having to do two. Um, it'll be nicer just doing one, uh, next year, hopefully it means I don't have to carry three sets of jackets, three sets of shoes and, uh, three different pairs of pants to, uh, every cage warriors event as well. Um, the, the way you dress, I know yeah. that's probably a tough, uh, <laughs> a tough exactly, thing. Exactly. It's, uh, <laughs> it's costing me a fortune these trilogies, honestly. <laughs> Graham, you left up that, uh, you left up that that feeder, you left up that wage uh, bracket. But yeah, it's uh, I, I can I can I can only imagine. Like even even going to events around here, it, it like it takes a lot going to events, and I, I feel like sometimes we don't give um, you know enough credit to the people like yourself covering the event and and the crew there covering it and everyone doing it. So it's uh, you know fair play for providing us with this uh, with this fantastic service and another fantastic card to get obviously at Cage Warriors 132 I'm going to start straight away at the main event here Dominic Wooding versus uh, Carlos Abreu I was looking up Carlos Abreu don't know too much about him now to be honest looking through his record and stuff but obviously Dominic Wooding has been around for a long time and it- Dominic Wooding's a guy he's fought in Ireland a couple of times so I've I've seen him and when sometimes for me when I see guys up close and I see something about him I look at him like you know I, I, I gain kind of a soft spot for him and, and, and like keep following their careers and Dominic Wooding is one of those guys where you know sometimes you think oh well maybe maybe just because I've seen him a few times I'm, I'm uh, maybe overestimating or something but then he reaches like this place in his career where he's turning into a fighter that I like I thought he could be when I saw him in the early days of his career and he's turned into like a really fantastic fighter who I think you know who could go all the way to the UFC and who could be you know a, a really good cage warriors fighter but go on and uh, in, onto the next level as well first of all what do you think of, of Dominic Wooding as, as a fighter himself and where he has gotten to and also Carlos Abreu in that matchup well I have been calling Don Woodings fights for a long, long time. Uh, going back to when he was a teenager competing on the amateur circuit in the UK. Um, he had an incredible amateur run. I think he ended up like 10 and 2 or 11 and 2 or something. And he beat some really, really good guys. Um, and, you know, he, he beat a lot of guys that people were really highly regarding at the time. And he went straight through them. Um, so seeing his progression has been incredible. You know, he had some fights early on in his pro career that were maybe a little bit too soon for him, you know. Uh, fighting a guy like Andy Young that early in his career was probably just a little bit too soon. And, you know, Andy Young probably beat him on experience that night, which is, which is fair enough. You would, you'd expect that. Um, 
He's had some tough fights. He's picked up a couple of losses. He's picked up some incredible highlight reel wins. I, I think every win he's got is by knockout. Uh, and I, I, that mainly stretches back to amateur as well. Um, but he's coming into his own now. I think uh, that fight against Nathan Fletcher just showed how much uh, he's matured as a fighter. You know, Nathan Fletcher fought a perfect fight. And the patience that Wooding showed, uh, you know, hanging in there despite getting taken down, despite being put on the fence and just waiting for that gap. And when you've got that power that he's got and that ability to find the gaps with your shots, you only need one, right? And he was able to wait till the third round, fourth round. So this kid's got a ton of potential. Uh, you know, if, if you look at his social media, I believe he said that there were a couple of guys in the Cage Warriors roster that turned this fight down. So that's kind of interesting. And fair play to Carlos for stepping in. He stepped in a couple of weeks before the fight. So this is a game guy. Carlos as well signed a long-term deal with Cage Warriors. So, you know, he's not just coming in here just to get a quick payday before Christmas, right? Mm -hmm. This guy's got serious designs. And if you can upset the champ on your debut, that's a big way to get yourself noticed, especially on a promotion like Cage Warriors. Um, you, he record, does not have the... His record's pretty good too. Like, if you look at the guys he's fought, like 8-1, 7-2, 7-3, for a guy still really young in his career, that's, that's a lot of experience to be beating and taking on, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think uh, his only loss in the last five years was by decision. So this isn't a guy that, you know, is going out getting stopped regularly. Um, so this, this is going to be very interesting. You know, he's a slightly older guy. So he's been training, you would you would imagine, a bit longer than Dom. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see that kind of uh, veteran experience against the mature and Wooding. Um, look, the interesting thing for me about this one as well is how the crowd reacts to Wooding this time. Because that last fight against Fletcher was... You might as well have been in Liverpool. It was a pro Fletcher crowd in Wooding's hometown. But that win that Wooding got, I think that's going to have turned a lot of people onto him. So I'm I'm expecting him to have, you know, a huge backing in the arena. Um, and this could be that breakout moment for him on Cage Warriors. Mm -hmm. We we spoke on, on the last podcast about maybe Auburn Elliott or someone coming through as maybe the next star. And, you know, you have the likes of Paul Hughes and others as well. Do you think Dominic Wooding could be that next star? Like, I, as you said in the last uh, in the last fight, he was maybe the heel a little bit, but he kind of turned it around. I think towards the end, and even you know, when he coined maybe Liverpool fans and, and the London fans came through, could he be the next star from Cage Warriors? I think anyone with the kind of record that Don Wooding's got, the skills and the ability that he's got to just shut people off like that. People who like fights are going to want to turn in, uh, tune in to watch you fight, you know, Re regardless of, uh, you know, what you're saying outside the cage and what you're doing on social media. If you're smashing people that way, that's the kind of fight that a fan wants to see as the last fight on the car before they get home. That's the kind of fight they want to talk about on the tube or, or on the bus going home. Dom's got all the tools. And, and like we've said, he's had those tough fights early in his, his career. He's in an incredible spot now. I don't think the momentum could be any more behind him to, to make a star-making performance uh, in December. 100%. I, I really can't wait for that. He's one of those guys I always look out for if his name is on the card, as I mentioned. And I, I'm really looking forward to that main event. And to finish it off, like, I, I think, you know, talking about the, the star-making, this is a star-making position. No, he is the headlining act of the weekend. If he can get the win there, it's huge for him. But as you mentioned for Abreu as well, he's coming in there as a live underdog. And if he can get that win, he not only announces himself on the cage wire scene, he announces himself on, you know, the, the, the worldwide scene, if you want to put it that way, being on Fight Pass and everything. Like that's a, an absolutely huge opportunity. And uh, as you could take it from, from two people here who've watched uh, Ian Dean's work for a long, long time, he's not putting the guy in here unless he believes he's, he's 
he's well able for that situation uh, as we've seen it down through the years with, with so many so many other other people coming through even Gomis in the last one as well was another guy we were like oh well as we, and we'll speak about Harilla soon but you know that I think that shocked everyone but it's just like well it's Ian Dean again <laughs> so uh, Abreu could be one of those guys as well coming through here let's talk about the co-main event because this one if we want to talk about uh, drama if we want to talk about what's going on outside of the cage if we want to talk about backstory this is the one here I, I let you explain it but obviously they fought was it two trilogies ago or the last trilogy and and uh, Creasy ended up getting the win but but what happened tell us Brad explain it to us well so it was the uh, the headline fight of the entire last trilogy uh, so the last fight of the last ever trilogy so it, you know it was uh, it was a big spot for these guys to have and it was the finals of the flyweight tournament both guys had uh, arguably career best wins in the semi-finals of that tournament. And it was a, a huge final going, going into that weekend. Now, Shanks missed weight. Uh, I know he's he's one of those guys, uh, I've talked about it before, who will be perfect for 135 pound, uh, 130 pound division, rather. He's got, the, um, he's got the stockiness of a bantamweight and the height of a flyweight. So he's, he's kind of like hover, hovering between divisions, but he missed weight by a couple of pounds. So he wasn't eligible to win the belt. The fight starts and he gets an armbar locked in very early. Uh, Creasy gets out of the armbar. The fight continues. Um, both guys did some really good work. I thought uh, Shanks was probably up on the scorecards. He'd bloodied Creasy up a little bit. I think he busted his nose. Um, but Creasy came back, got the win in the third round. Really poetic for me because it's his third time fighting for the belt and the previous two occasions he'd lost in the third round. So great to see Sam, a consummate martial artist, a long time member of the Cage Warriors flyweight division. Great to see him raise the belt. Now, I didn't see it at the time, but as soon as the fight finished, Daniel Strauss, my co-commentator, turned to me and said, I think he tapped. Uh, and if you watch the Cage Warriors footage back, I don't mention it, but Dan kind of says, oh, that was close. Since that, another camera angle's come out, I believe from a member of Shanks' corner, and it certainly does look like there was a tap from yeah. Sam Creasy. So, that, you know, that, that, there's a couple of ways of looking at this way number one is when you train and you're in the gym you're taught that when you feel a tap you let go so it's instinct the other way of thinking about it is this is a prize fight and the last instruction you get off the referee is fight until i tell you to stop so there's that you know should shanks have let go you know or was it a case that creasy tapped as he was letting go who, who, who knows um I think a rematch is the right thing to do, given the situation. There's going to be a lot of pressure on Shanks now to make sure he makes that weight this time, because if he doesn't make the weight this time, that that's a disaster, and it will be tough to see him getting another opportunity at the belt, even if he does win. Um, so he's going to get that out of the way first. Look, he's got a great team behind him. James Doolan, one of the top coaches in the European circuit at the moment. I'm sure those guys are, have addressed that issue, and they're going to have him on point. Um, but look, if there's a bit of controversy, let's clear it up. It, it's one as well that like you, you mentioned there even if, if Shanks wins if he misses weight he might never win, fight for the title again like Creasy as you mentioned he's what is it he lost two uh, opportunities for the title before this one in these circumstances if he was to lose again like it's going to be hard for him to get another title shot or, or it's going to be hard to get a rematch because of the way the first fight ended if Shanks wins clean let's say it's one of those fights where it's like it, 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 you know 
sometimes we, we look we go into every fight thinking fighter A and fighter B is going to fight either A will win or B will win and we'll move forward this is one of those ones where there are so many different integers there's so many different things could happen it's it's really really tough to kind of calculate what's going to happen here but I th- like I think in the last fight Shanks went in as, as kind of the favourite I suppose before the wins and, and before that kind of happened and when Greasy won I think a lot of people were like oh you know look when anyone misses weight and you can't win the championship title I think when the other guy wins there's always even if you're a neutral or whatever there's always like the sense of oh good you know the, the title isn't going to be you know vacant or the title isn't going to be put back into the ether or whatever and especially for a guy like Creasy who you know is probably going to be in cage wars for another while and who has, has been a constant in cage wars and is very very good and you know it felt like the culmination maybe of his cage warriors career in terms of the, the, the contender run in his career uh, and then they this kind of happened so like you Creasy will have that you know th- this is supposed to be the, the kind of crowning moment of this part of his career anyway and I was kind of ripped from him a little bit and now you know obviously Shanks will have to have a chance to write that wrong so this one there's no need to write a storyline for it like the storyline's already written and even the fight itself you know Chris won the first fight obviously you can you can say what you want about it but like it, it was a uh, you know and Shanks was doing so well so the, the rematch was one we'd want to see anyway I think a lot of people are even talking about it anyway so it's uh, it's really really fun I'm, I'm really really looking forward to this like this could be the main event again I think but you know I, I, putting, putting Wooding in, in the main event slot is, I don't have any problem with that either but it's uh, oh this this is this is the one that uh, I'll be uh, I'll be a hundred percent tuning in for life to see what happens in this one and probably I'll be tuning in the day before as well to see what happens in the way and just to, just to make sure it all goes well but yeah I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one let's talk about the Figlak brothers um, both guys are obviously on the card Matthias Figlak against Ken Kobainen, uh and uh, Stevie McIntosh is fighting Mike Figlak for, let, let's first of all talk about uh, I, I want to start calling him Big Matt Figlak I think that's a good nickname for him uh, against Ken Kobainen. honestly if you had told me Figlak versus Kapainen. It, it, I would not. I was like, what? I, like, when I heard that first, I'm like, and then I thought about it. It's like, that's a good fucking fight. That is a really, really good fight. What, what do you think of that one? Like, Ken Kapainen was up at middleweight, and now he's obviously coming down. This at 170, isn't it? It is, yeah. He's coming down to 170. He always seemed to me like when I saw him fighting, obviously in Cage Wars, he fought Will Flory before he came to Cage Wars. He, he's not, he's, I wouldn't say he's an undersized 185 pounder. Like, I don't think he's, I, I, I think he'd be a huge 170er. And obviously, Figlak as well. We saw him against Ian Gary in terms of size. Ian Gary's a huge 170er, and Figlak was, was a similar size to him. So, this is, this is going to be a tough weight cut as well, I'd say, for both of them. But, I a, a, a titanic fight. I'm. I'm this is a this is a tough fight for Figlak, isn't it? And and for Kabinen as well. But it's it's an interesting test. Yeah, this fight um, is what I like to call the Ian Dean special because you did not know you wanted it, but when you see it, you're like, yeah, that's <laughs> yes. that's going to be good. That's going to be a lot yeah. of fun. <laughs> no, I, I, I was I was really surprised as well because like you know Kent came in and he had that great debut against Jamie Richardson, who just challenged for the belt. And uh, he put on a really good performance, dropped Jamie towards the end of the fight. And, you know, you think that the, with that Cage Warriors middleweight division kind of reordering itself at the moment, Kent might have got the next title shot or he might have just had to win one more to get a title shot. So interesting to see him uh, going down to 170. Bear in mind, he's fought light heavyweight as well. He fought Manhoff for light heavyweight. So be interesting to see how he looks when he gets down there. Uh, but it's a great fight for Big Luck at this point in his career because Kent has been around the block. He's fought... A lot of guys, he's, you know, he's got international experience. He's got experience against international opponents. 
He's got a lot of boxing as well outside of MMA. He boxes a lot. Uh, he's got a lot of rounds under his belt. So th- this isn't a guy who's going to be surprised by anything. This is a, a good, solid hand and a guy who you know, could come in and beat the prospects in Figlak and all of a sudden people are talking about him in, in terms of the Cage Warriors welterweight title picture as well, which is obviously uh, vacant recently with Ian Gary moving on to the UFC. For Figlak, this is the kind of guy you've got to beat to elevate yourself to that level from prospect to contender. And I think, you know, we, we talked about both the Figlaks, the Hardwicks as well. You know, there's there's no reason why any of those guys couldn't be fighting for titles. In uh, obviously, obviously, we've got one Hardwick fighting for a title on Friday night, but there's no reason why the other three couldn't be fighting for titles in the next 12 months. And this is that next step for Figlak. 100% yeah and it is the step like it, it'll be hard to deny him a title fight I know a few people were kind of saying oh maybe it's a little bit early for him in his career and we saw you know what happened against Ian Gary but Ian Gary is like Ian Gary you know Ian Gary is a, is a level uh, at an extreme level but I think it's weird since that fight and and you know since maybe the Auburn Elliott fight against uh, against Mike I just feel like they've taken kind of that step forward and kind of seen the level you know where you kind of need to get to and both of them are really good and Mike I know you've uh you know, you always talk about Stevie McIntosh and I always talk about how good of a fighter he is. And and when, when we've spoken in the past, tough fight as well for Mike Figlak. And, uh, you know, I think it's, you know, um, uh, a testament to maybe where he is in his career as well. But that should be a fun fight. Yeah, look, you know, whenever you've got two guys who are willing to just stand in front of each other and just do whatever, it's always going to be fun. Um, you know, both these guys have got really good striking. Both these guys good on the ground as well. Um, you know, look, Fig- Figlax had, uh, you know, perhaps an easier ride than some over the COVID period when people weren't training. Because obviously you've got a brother who's, you know, maybe only like 10 pounds heavier than you. What a perfect training partner. They both live together. They can train all day, every day. And they may not have been uh, affected as much as other people who don't have someone in in uh, in, in the, the bubble that, that they could train with over the last 18 months. So I think both of the Figlax have, you know, they've come on leaps and bounds. You can see their improvements every time. Uh, but again, you know, Macintosh is a good hand himself. So I don't think either of these guys could, should, or will be going into this expecting uh, any kind of walkover. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, a, a real good old-fashioned fist fight. I think it's going to get bloody, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'd have to mention Tobias Sorilla as well, because, you know, he's fighting Jair Jr. here. I, I spoke a minute ago about the, the featherweights, and, you know... Uh, obviously we'll have the title fight coming up between the two champions and then we have Charrier and Gomis as well I don't know where he is at the moment but you know Harilla was kind of the guy coming into the last trilogy where everyone was saying okay well there's a, there's another three guys there but this is the guy who's going to come in and kind of overtake the ball maybe and that's going to be put in the back burner now after he's lost in the last fight but the fact that none of those three guys are fighting on, on the duology which I'm going to continue to call it um he has a he has a bit of, even though he lost in his last fight he has a bit of an advantage doesn't he that he can come in here get a big win again and kind of put him his name back in uh, in that title picture it's a big fight for him isn't it? it it's huge you know um, he came in and he had such a, a dominant display against a really good guy Naden Stephen in his Cage Warriors debut second fight he had that crazy entrance with the uh, you know the boiler suit and the all the theatrics and everything else. But this is a guy who gets it, right? He gets it inside the cage and he gets what you have to do outside of the cage to get noticed. This division, man, it, it, it's crazy. You've got two champions, Vichenik and Hughes. You've got Morgan Charrier just behind them. 
any of those three guys could put their hand up and say on any given day, they're the best fighter in that division, right? And I think if all three just fought each other on repeat, you probably get a lot of different results. And for me, Herrera's one of those guys who's chasing the pack. He's right behind them. And one big win could be all, all it needs. You know, obviously, uh, that Gomez fight was uh, a tough one for him. Gomez was able to just hit and move and, and, and get away from him. And, and look, that's the perfect fight to fight. You don't want to stand in front of Tobias Herrera. You're going to get hit really hard or you're going to get dumped on your back and then you're going to get hit really hard. So, you know, Gomez fought a great fight. Not really sure uh, what's up with him if we're going to see him again next year. I, I hope we will. Um, but look, Harilla is going to be a start. So look, he's got that loss. Fine. Let's move on from that. He seems to have taken a really mature approach. He's, he, he didn't come out of it with sour grapes. He just said, yeah, okay, I'm not going to let that happen again. And when a guy who's that self-assured says something like that, you've got to believe it. Um, look, again, Ian Dean's not putting anyone in there who he thinks is going to get blown out of the water. I think it would be a huge mistake for Harilla to uh, underestimate his opponent on Saturday night. I'm sure he's not going to. Um, but I'm expecting a, a big performance both on the way to the cage and when the cage door closes yeah. from Tobias Arrilla. I'm almost looking forward to on the way to the cage more. That's, that's, that's going to be really fun. But yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Um, other than that, didn't this card, Jamie Richardson is on the card. Aaron Aby versus Samir Fadid, I believe, is on this card as well. Paul, Mc, uh, Paul McBain. Oh, there's... there's this card is really, really good. Wow, is Randy get that undercard maybe that I've over overtaken quickly there that you're really looking forward to or that people should be uh, that people should be tuning in for? I mean Tanya Pagliariccio and Aiden James uh, should mm. be a great fight. You know, heard, hearing a lot of good things about Pagliariccio. I'm gonna do some tape study on him this week. Um look, we know what James is all about. We've seen him uh, on various platforms and, and and he had a great debut on Cage Warriors last time out. And you know, when people talk about you know potential future stars for Cage Warriors, I think in 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 six to twelve months' time, Aiden James is going to have his name in that conversation as well. So that's definitely a reason to tune in early. Paul McBain versus Common Day. Look, Common Day is a spoiler. He is one of those guys. I mean, you've really got to look to the likes of Mason Jones and Jack Shaw for guys that have beat him and look really good. You know, anything anything less, you're going to have a hard time with this guy. You know, he's the quintessential journeyman in the most respectful sense in that he will give you three hard rounds. You will have to earn that win against him. Uh, he's awkward. Uh, he's tenacious. And I think against a guy like Paul McVeigh, uh, Paul McVeigh, who's just out and out violence, who's going to come straight at him, throwing those leg kicks, throwing the knees and elbows. That's got all the ingredients for a really, really fun fight on the undercard. 100% I can't wait for and I can't wait for all of these 20 fights or whatever it might be and Dean has done it again he always, uh, he always does a fantastic job Brad thank you very much for joining me I really appreciate it everyone check out the fights on UFC Fight Pass coming up uh, this weekend Cage Warriors always put on a, a fantastic show uh, inside the cage but on the commentary and everything as well and the pacing of Cage Warriors is just the best you can watch the whole card in about half an hour <laughs> absolutely fantastic Brad thanks very much for joining me uh, thanks everybody for listening my name is Sean Chi and for Sherdog.com and I'll see you all